Welcome to Crossroads Church in Rowlett. We're so glad you're here. Join us here for our weekly sermons or visit crossroadsrowlett.org for more information. All right, we're in our top 10 series. We're in week four. Anybody want to guess what commandment we're on? Four. Thank you. Got it. Nailed it. Somebody said seven. No, I just, what are you thinking? No. Um, we know that when we talk about commandments, we talk about rules. A lot of people tend to think about those things and they go, so rules are a way to kind of restrict our fun and restrict our joy, but that's not what we've been talking about in this series. We've been talking about the fact that these are ancient rules for our present joy. Now, we also have said that rules, following rules or following commandments is not what creates relationships in our life. We know that what creates a relationship with God is following Jesus Christ, not following rules. And yet at the same time, following those rules enables us and it enables our relationship. It is though it keeps us moving forward so that we can experience the joy and the freedom and the presence and the power that God has for all of us. And so today we're going to look at one that probably a lot of us have disregarded, but I want to challenge us in it today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, and we are going to look at what number? The fourth command. Y'all, now listen, I always tell people, the ten, I know we got a lot of people missing today, out on vacations and stuff, but the 1045 crowd, I've, or excuse me, for some of y'all, you still think it's an 11 o'clock start time. Uh, so, um, but... For those of you that maybe you just got in here, I've always told people, come on, this is the crowd that gets, that gets loud. So are you ready today? Come on, church. All right. Here we go. He says, remember the Sabbath. I find it interesting the start to this verse. He says, remember the Sabbath. Why does he have a need to tell us to remember unless we have a habit of forgiving, forgetting? We tend to forget the Sabbath a lot. We tend to forget to honor the Sabbath. We forget to take the Sabbath. We forget this. And so he literally has to start the whole thing by going, remember the Sabbath. We have too many Christians in our world that remembering that day is not important to them as much as it should be. And I want to challenge us in that as we look into this today. Because God wants us to build our lives around him. That's the idea of the Sabbath. He says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. You are to labor for six days. And do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. Let me translate for you. He says, your family, teach your family to remember the Sabbath. Teach your employees to remember the Sabbath. But then when he says the alien outside the gates, he's basically going, when you have guests, when there are people visiting. Isn't it weird? When we have people visit our home, those are weekends we take off from church. And what he's saying is when you have guests, what a great time to help them learn how to connect with your God. And so don't take those weekends off. He's actually challenging us to dive deeper in those moments. In verse 11 says, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. So the idea of the Sabbath is to build our life around something that is bigger than us. Have you ever asked yourself, why does he reference creation here? He goes into the creation story for a couple of reasons, but I want to maybe give you one that maybe you hadn't thought of. He's talking about the creations of the heavens and the earth. We know in creation, if you don't realize this, that there is a circle to everything. There is an orbit to everything. The moon orbits the earth. The earth rotates around or orbits the sun. 
The sun orbits in the Milky Way galaxy. What does the Milky Way galaxy orbit? I don't know either. But (laughs) what we do know is that all of our galaxies are rotating. And so get this. Stay with me, church. They're rotating around something awfully big. Hello. The Bible says that the skies, the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's orbiting all of this around him. The Sabbath, you can write this in your notes, reminds us that there's something bigger. Something bigger than the work we do, something bigger than the money we make, something bigger than the knowledge that we have, and our life was designed to revolve around it. And God wants our life to revolve around him really, really badly because he knows how valuable it is to our life. And so he is instituting a very important habit for us. Now, a habit is something you come back to repeatedly. You cannot call something a habit if you only do it once. For example, if you're like, man, I am going to eat healthy. Eating a carrot one time isn't going to get you there. If you're like, I'm going to get fit, going to the gym once will not make you fit. It'll only make you sore, right, if you only go one time. The same way, sitting down and going, well, I'm going to open the Bible once in my life or try to go to church once in my life is not going to lead you to being the most spiritually healthy that you could B. See, I want you to write this in your notes. We become what we do every day. We become what we do every day. God wants to shift us from simply believing in something to living something. That it's our life. It is what we do. We revolve around the reality. And here's the problem with habits for us. Spiritual habits are hard to build, but easy to break. Anybody ever said, man, I really want to get in the Word of God this year, and then had a hard time doing it? spiritual habits are hard to build but easy to break on the other side bad habits are easy to build easy to build right and they're hard to break so we we see the difference here like for example anybody in here ever try to give up sugar oh yeah yeah and we can tell from your laughter how that went so here, here's the deal. You, the moment you say, I've got to give up sugar, you're going to go to the grocery store. And the moment you go to the grocery store, you've got to go to the checkout. And what do they put right at every checkout? Candy. Yeah. And you have to sit there and out loud in a grocery store, go, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Over and over again. And you're like, okay, I'm getting to the weekend and then I'll be safe there. So I'm going to go to church. They won't have sugar there. And then they have donuts for Father's Day. And most of you ate three of them before you realized you had swallowed any of them. Like, you're just putting them in your mouth, and you're like, I got some of them, and I ate them so fast, I forgot that I even broke the habit. And now you have to start all over. It is really, really easy to build a bad habit, and they're hard to break. But building spiritual habits is hard to build and easy to break. Good habits are difficult, but they are worth the work. Harvard, which is not a Christian institution, did research a few years ago. You know what they found? This is amazing. Harvard said if you attend church weekly, weekly, you are healthier, happier, and live longer. Which means if you do not continue going to church somewhere, you will die. <laughs> That's the message today. So just, I mean, Harvard said it, not me. But, but isn't it weird? It's almost as if God knew something about us that we didn't. He designed us for this. Now, Here's the habit I want us to focus on today. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But here's the problem with this commandment. Of all nine, it is probably the one that we feel zero guilt about breaking. People break it all the time. 
doesn't bother them, totally fine. I mean, if you said, hey, I, I, steal, I, you know, I stole or I killed or I committed adultery, yeah, guilt, shame, that makes sense. But not observing the Sabbath? I don't know anybody that has gone, J- Jason, can, can the church help me get into counseling? Well, sure, absolutely we can. What happened? Uh, we're just not, we're not honoring the Sabbath. We got to go see somebody. It's never happened. I've been in ministry for 27 years. We are okay not obeying this command. Because many of us think, well, we, I can't trace the root problems of my life to breaking this command. But can I just ask you a question? What if you actually can? What if you could actually trace the root source of many of the problems in your life back to breaking this command? Let's look a little bit deeper at this command. See, at first, here's one of the things that I want us to look at. He says, God said that you labor for six days and do all your work. And on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. So part of this commandment is related to your work, your job, your labor. Just a quick question. Anybody in here ever stress over work? So why do we stress over work? Let me give you two things that we tend to stress about our work life that we need to think about. The first one is that work stresses us because we depend on our work to provide for our needs. We've actually considered our workplace as the thing that is going to supply for our needs. It provides our money, our house, our vacations, the quality of life. And when you see your work as what is giving you provision, then you're absolutely going to be stressed about not making the sale, about not getting the raise, about losing the job or being unemployed for a season of time. You see work as your lifeline to being sustained, and because of that, it creates a ton of stress. A second reason we stress in work is this, that work stresses many of us because we find our identity in work. When you meet somebody, we do this all the time. It's the second question we ask. First question we ask, what's your name? Second question, what do you do? We've made it an identity issue. We've made it our self-worth. Our self-worth is tied to, and can I be honest, on Father's Day, for men, this is even more true. That's not an exclusive statement. I'm sure there are many women that struggle with this, but I see men struggle with this so much. They find our self-worth in their work. See, we have this weird short-term memory issue that we know that it is God that we get our identity from, but we forget. And when we forget, we default work into its place. And it requires us to stop and refocus on what matters most, which is what the fourth commandment is all about. So let's look at the two main points of of the fourth commandment. Number one, it is about remembering our God. Moses is going to repeat this fourth commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And he's going to say it verbatim until the end. And I want us to notice what he adds. I want to start reading in verse 5. It says, be careful to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male, female, slaves, your ox, and your donkey, any of your livestock, or the resident alien who lives within the city gates, so that your male and female slaves, in this case, by the way, the word slaves is really like employee, um, male and female slaves or employees may rest as you do. Verse 15, this is where he adds. Everything up to this point has been said before in Exodus 20. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. So what Moses does is he attaches something to the Sabbath that's very important. See, in in Exodus chapter 20, we had the understanding that we remember the Sabbath because we are remembering the God of creation. But what he just said is not only do we remember the God of creation, we need to remember the God of redemption. The God who's redeemed my life and redeemed yours. And that's what he's saying. 
He says, I don't just want you to remember creation, remember redemption. We set aside a day to remember that God loves you, that God called you out, and he gave you a purpose. And then he ends by saying, that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. That we have a tendency to let our work replace God's redemption in our lives. But we have to understand that work does not define us, and work does not sustain us. God is the one who does both. See, every single commandment is rooted to the first commandment. There are no other gods before me. And the fourth commandment is trying to make sure that we never replace God with work for our identity and our security. That we would constantly remember not to trust the work, but to trust the one who made us able to work in the first place. And that's why it's so important that we understand that breaking the fourth commandment actually reveals our disobedience to the first it's a big deal. Now, I want to get a little technical for a minute because I think this is important. The Sabbath is treated differently in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and I want us to see the difference, and I want us to see some importance here. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you, what with regard to food or drink or the matter of festivals or the new moon or a what? Sabbath day. See, in the Old Testament, you didn't have, so basically what they're saying is you can choose when to Sabbath. But in the Old Testament, you couldn't do that. You get stoned for that right? The, the Mosaic law did not allow for that level of freedom to pick what day you were going to take the Sabbath. But the early Christians understood that there was freedom in this, and so the early Christians chose to, to observe the Sabbath on Sunday instead of on, sa- on Saturday. Saturday is the traditional Sabbath, and the early Christians chose to do it on Sunday. Why? Why did they choose to change it to Sunday? Because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the grave, and they wanted to celebrate salvation and new creation. So they changed, and they did Sabbath on Sunday. That's what's going on. And so I want us to understand something, and you can write this in your notes. Christ has freed us from the technicalities of Sabbath law. See, there are the laws of Israel, and all of them were symbols or ceremonies. There were special days, and all of them pointed to a greater reality. But they are telling us that Jesus is that greater reality. The early church believed that the resurrection of Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. They understood that the resurrection of Jesus is what redeems everything. How many of you love to be outside? How many of you have ever been outside and you've said, I've seen the most beautiful things I've ever seen, I've seen in nature? Like, it's really unbelievable. You go out there, sunrises, mountains, waters, oceans, it's incredible. Our creation is beautiful. Do you know our creation is also cursed? You are not seeing the epitome of creation. You are seeing a broken creation. And the first century Christians knew that God was going to redeem all creation. Which means, just think about this. What is a redeemed, you know, like, waterfall look like? What does redeemed ocean look like? What does a resurrected Grand Canyon look like? We think it's beautiful now. What will it be when all is made right? But he doesn't stop the resurrection of just our world. Jesus actually goes, I want to resurrect you. I'm going to resurrect you. In your spirit, I'm going to resurrect your body. One day, I will be given a resurrected body, and it will be a serious upgrade over my current one. I'm going to have abs for the first time in my life. Like They're there now. I just don't know where they are. I haven't seen them. 
But one day, man, it's going to be amazing. And yet at the same time, when God resurrects us, it is not just a world with no love handles. It is a life without sickness, without shame, without guilt. It is a life without sin. I want us to not miss this about the Sabbath. See, the first Sabbath was celebrated by God after creation. God created everything and he said that it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested. And then Adam sinned and God got up and went to work again. And he went back to work. And in going back to work, he called his son. He called Jesus to come and to live and to die and to rise again. And when Jesus rose, that work was once again completed and everything was able to be made right. And the Bible says that Jesus was seated at the right hand of God because it was finished. Jesus died for us and he rose. And if he did that, he died and he rose again for us, we can be sure that we have a Jesus who wants to take care of us and will take care of us. We can trust him to sustain us and provide for us. See, what's important for the first century Christians that they understood and what needs to be important to us is that the point is not whether the Sabbath was on a Sunday or a Saturday. The point was that Jesus is the Sabbath. Our rest is in him. Our hope is in him. Our forgiveness, our grace, our mercy is in him. So we are freed from the technicalities of the Sabbath. But, write this in your notes, we should still observe the principle of the Sabbath. Even though we're freed from the technicalities, there is a reality that we still need the Sabbath. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, that we are not to be neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need this. I want you to look at somebody right next to you and go, I need you. That was not very confident, 1045 service. Come on. I want you to look at somebody you didn't ride here with and go, I need you. We need each other. It is so, so, so important. That's what he says. Don't neglect that. But I got people that will say, well, Jason, you don't understand. I work on Sunday. Can I just, let me give you a little bit of history lesson, okay? Do you know that up until 300 AD, every Christian worked on Sunday? It wasn't until Emperor Constantine set aside Sunday as a day for Christians to worship that we got that off. Until then, every Christian worked on Sunday. They would go to worship early on a Sunday morning and then go to work, and they would rest on Saturday on the Sabbath. That's what they would do. And that happened all the way up until the 1700s. And in the 1700s, the founding fathers of our nation were stuck in a, a conundrum they couldn't figure out. They were trying to decide, should we as a, a new nation take Saturday off and honor the Jewish Sabbath, or should we take Sunday off and honor the Christian Sunday? And they could not decide, and they took both off. And that's where you get your weekend, sucker. <laughs> so you need to thank both Moses and Jesus for the time you get off on the weekend. There are so many people who are like, oh, I'm working for the weekend. You should be. And you know what that weekend's for? To honor God. That's what it means to work for the weekend, that it sets you up to glorify God and to be able to celebrate Him and the connection that you have with Him, that we worship and we rest. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on something, and I don't, I'm not trying to, well, I am, I guess, trying to step on some toes, but I'm just be honest. I get people all the time that go, Jason, we don't come to church very often, but you don't understand. I, I, I go out to the lake, or I go out to the golf course, or we spend time with our kids and our family, and, and that's where we connect with God. And I would say that there's probably a small percentage that that's accurate. And there's a large percentage that, if we can be honest, it is simply a lie. 
And I think Satan loves that lie. Because he can, if he can convince you that you can be sustained by connecting to something other than God and make you feel okay with it, then he's going to win. And the truth is, what's supposed to happen if you are going to go and connect with God, let's, here's, here's, the, here's the reality. We can say that all day long, but I've been, I've been on the lake, I've been out on deer stands, and I've been uh, out watching people with families, and rarely do I see them spend time in worship, connection with God, Bible study, any of those things, or prayer as a family, and yet they're saying that's where they're getting their connection with God. It's just not true most of the time. You might be an outlier. If you are, great. But most of the time, it's not true. See, I've talked about this before, but the intent of all creation is that all of creation would lead us to roll into praise to God. That whatever it is that you're experiencing, it's designed to give you a reason to praise God. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is when you are out at like the lake, for example, you're supposed to look at the water. You're supposed to look at the sun reflecting off of it. You're supposed to look at the sunrise and the sunset. You're supposed to look at that time. And it's supposed to not just go, man, the lake is amazing. That's stopping short. What it's supposed to do is roll up into praise for the one who made the sun and the moon and the stars and the lake and the water and that you would have your life result in absolute and total praise for him. When you eat something delicious, it's not supposed to stop at, man, that was really good queso. It's supposed to do something else. I'm about to get real spiritual about queso, so stay with me for a minute. When you eat queso, here's what it's supposed to do. God did not have to give you taste buds to sustain you. And I guarantee you, Milk and cheese came about with some dudes sitting in a field and somebody dared somebody. I promise you that's how it happened. Because that, how that had to happen the first time was some animal had to have something squeezed out of an udder and they were like, somebody's got to try that. And some dude went, I'll do it for a dare. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they found out that if you do certain things with it, it creates solid substances, which is a miracle from God. And then you can somehow make it into cheese. And it was amazing. And when you eat it, you're not supposed to go, well, that's really great queso. You're supposed to go, God, can we just praise you for creation and the unbelievable creativity of a God who can make this and then also give me taste buds in my mouth so that at every moment when there is an explosion of delicious flavor, I am forced to worship you. I know these not sound like silly examples, but stay with me. Here's the problem with many of us who say you're connecting to God somewhere else in creation is that often we are stopping short of worship. You're enjoying the water, you're enjoying the time, you're enjoying this, but you're not letting it roll in to praise. It stops short. And the point of the Sabbath is that we remember our relationship with God. We delight in Him and we rest in Him. And there's a reason that God gives us the Sabbath, and that's because we have a tendency to forget how desperately we need this. Not only do we remember things about Him, but it helps us remember things about ourselves. It reminds us that we were created in the image of God. That the reason that you're sitting here today drawing breath, the reason that you are moving from point A to point B is because God's got you on mission wherever your feet are standing. That the, the whole purpose of you drawing breath into your lungs today is that God has empowered his church, his body, his people, his children to go into every corner of the globe for his mission, his name, his glory, and his purpose. That's what it's for. We are supposed to remember whose we are and who we are. And that is connected to the Sabbath. When we, instead of representing God, replace Him. In other words, what I mean by this is, is that we begin to sit on the throne of our own life. We call the shots. The Bible will call that sin. Period. 
And I want you to hear this, church. Every single problem in our world, every struggle, every pain, every single one of those things will trace them back to this sin. That we replace God. That we replace God's truth rather than representing our God and representing his truth. Every time that happens, the world goes bad. The Sabbath is to remember who he is and whose we are. And that leads us to worship. Now, I love worship. I love worship. But I think a lot of people have a misconception about worship. Here's what I mean. There are many people who, who show up at church on Sunday and they go, God, you know, God must have some insecurity issues. Because God's clearly so insecure that we have to gather every Sunday and go, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. It's because they misunderstand worship. Because here's what I want you to know about God. Before this world was spun into existence, before any of us were created, God was alone, he was complete, and he was fine all by himself. And so here's what that leads to, and it's very important that we don't misunderstand this. God is not the one that is made stronger by our worship, and he is not weakened by a lack of it. We are. We don't worship for what we get out of it, we, or for what he gets out of it. We worship for what we get out of it. There is no point. We're like today, if you guys weren't singing really hard, um, God's not up in heaven going, guys, come on, I really need this. That's not how it works. He is strong. We are weak. It is in connecting to his strength that we are made stronger. It is when connecting to his purposes that we are made fulfilled. It is us, it is our lives, it is our world that is impacted by that worship. And that's why I, I, I mean, people come to me and they go, Jason, you understand, I would love to come to church, but we are just too tired. I would love to worship, but we are just too busy. Can I tell you, that is like saying that you are too tired to get a good night's sleep. It makes no sense. See, the more tired you are, the more you need the sleep. The weaker you are, the more you need the worship. The more exhausted you are, the more disconnected you are, the more you need the worship and the Sabbath. It fuels us. Most of you guys know this. I mean, I'm, I've spent 20 years as a worship leader, and so there's things that I still can't help about myself. So the worship team will be up here, and I like to stand back here in my corner. And I've got my moves that I do. People make fun of my moves sometimes because I'm not paying attention to what I do. And apparently I have this gesture where I go like this all the time. And then somebody sent me a message one time that said, it looks like you passed gas and you're trying to wave it away from you. <laughs> and I'm like, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. And there's other people like, oh, you got the stirred up gesture. And I didn't know this was the thing. And I'm just going, it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's like I've got toilet paper that's unraveled and I'm trying to get it back on the spool. Get it, get it right there. Or, you know, truck drive. Anyway, sorry, uh, that's different. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, and I, I did one until Wes made fun of me and made a meme because I would do this. And he was like, he was like, I believe I can fly the gesture or whatever it is. And you can make fun of it, it's fine. I, 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 I just want you to know this, man. The reason that I love to come up here, the reason I love to come up here and sing right before I get up here is because I need it. It's because it's fuel. It's because connecting to God is what's going to fill all this time with the Holy Spirit because you don't need Jason Collins, you need Jesus Christ. And it's not my words that are transformational, it is God that is transformational in your life. And I want to make sure that I never stand here disconnected from him. And so I love that, man, it fuels us. We remember God, we remember who he is, we remember whose we are, and that gives us the power to keep going. But it doesn't just do that. I want you to get the second thing. It's also about restoring our strength. In Genesis 2, God said he finished creation, then he rested. And I know the question for most of us is like, what is he resting for? He's infinitely powerful. He doesn't need rest, right? 
Like he's flinging galaxies into space like piece of cake. Why does he need to rest? He doesn't. The rest is not what God needed, it's what we needed. And we needed an example of what it was going to look like. Now, this is going to mess with some people, but can I tell you what this rest is supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be? When we talk about this kind of rest, it does not mean sleep all day. I know that was super disappointing for a lot of people right now. I'm not saying sleep is bad, but this is not sleep all day. Rest in the Sabbath is enjoyment and connection to the person and the promises of God. It's a lot like this. I'm going to pull back the curtain on some stuff in my life. When I was, when I was a kid, uh, dating was different than it is now. And people, people date now, and in five minutes, they're like, like sharing stuff that only married people should share. Uh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that emotionally, um, and I didn't do that physically. Um, everybody has their own story, but my story is this. The only person I've ever been with physically is my wife. That's it. And some people might sit there and go, oh, you're missing out. I go, oh, no, I'm not. Uh, so I promise you. But here's what I would tell you with that is when I, before I got into a relationship with Crystal, I liked to date, but we didn't take dating seriously back then. We just dated. It was fun. It was, like, it was like hanging out with friends. And I dated a lot of people. I had a hat that said playa on it. That was a real thing in my life was my playa hat. And I was always like working, like trying to, you know, go uh, date this girl and let's go out here and let's go do this thing. And I go, oh, look at this girl over here. Like, she's really good looking. Hey, let's go try this thing. We, you know, we'll do this. We go, we play some putt putters and golf, whatever. You want to go to the movies? And I go find this girl over here and, I, I, and I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I got to tell you, it was really fun. It was also exhausting because I was looking for something. Her. And married life looks very different than single life. And Crystal said, amen. Uh, because if I was still looking, I would wake up dead tomorrow. I can promise you that. Here's the deal. All of that effort that I was putting in can all stop because I'm not looking anymore. And in my marriage, I rest in a way that I could not rest in my singleness. And I enjoy the connection and the promises that we made to each other and the same is true with God. We want to learn how to delight in our relationship with God. Let me use Crystal as an example again. She and I have to delight in each other. And here's what, here's what that shouldn't look like. If Imagine for a minute that I, that I took Crystal on a date. And on the date, she looked at me and she said, Jason. It's like we're at a nice place, getting some dinner. She looks at me across the table. She's like, babe. Because she calls me babe. It's really cool. Babe, thank you. I needed this. It's going to be a great night. Now, if I turned back to her and I said, uh, hey, uh, don't be mad. Uh, I do not want to be here. Um, I'm afraid that if I don't do this kind of stuff, you're going to leave me. Texas is a community property state, so... Um, <laughs> Rather than doing what I kind of wanted to be doing tonight, <laughs> I'm here with you. So let's have fun, you know? It's going to be great. It's going to be a good night. Do you think she's going to be okay with that? Absolutely not. She's not honored by that. See, those date nights for her should be a celebration based on a daily relationship that is being lived out. 
Those aren't one moment in time. Those are built on daily investment and daily connection and daily relationship till we get to the point where we get to have night, where we get to celebrate. And the same is true with God. And I'm going to tell you this. If you learn to delight in God, Monday through Saturday, Sunday will begin to be your favorite week or favorite day of the week. Because today will be a moment of celebration where you're celebrating the daily connection that you have with him. And I hope that for you. But the problem is many of us think that busyness creates more importance in our life than rest. And it's false. Here's what I mean. We, we so value busyness that we, we can't even begin to rest for a couple of reasons. And the first one is we just see it as a sign of importance. Like if Titus came to me and he was like, Jason, uh, can, we, uh, can we get some time together this week? And I went, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, doing, I got, I'm not doing anything. I have nothing all week long. I'm just sitting around. Like, Titus is going to walk away and kind of be like, loser. I mean, nobody needs your time. Are you doing anything of value whatsoever? But here's what we like to do when Titus goes, hey, Jason, can we get some time together? I go, yeah, man, I'm going to pencil you in. I got, a, I, got a, I got an opening about six weeks from now. It's going to be great. I don't know if you know, but I'm kind of a big deal. So um, people need my time. And we love to feel that sense of importance. But can I challenge you, no matter if you're in a ministry or business or whatever it is, if your business, if your ministry cannot survive without you for a short period of time, it is proof that you are not trusting God in it. See, rest is a radical declaration that I trust God with all the things in my life. Another reason we like to be busy, by the way, is simply this, that if I can be busy enough, I can ignore my own heart. And if I ever slow down long enough, I'm going to be forced to look in the mirror, and that scares me. So I'd rather be exhausted than vulnerable. And so here's what I would tell you. There is no substitute for the Sabbath. Nothing will get you to where you need to go. Not even vacations. Vacations are great, but vacations are not recreation. Vacation, or excuse me, vacations are recreation. They're not rest. If you don't believe me, go to Disneyland. <laughs> it will not be restful. And family vacations are great because often we use family vacations to reconnect with, anybody want to guess? Family. The Sabbath is designed to reconnect with God. See, I want to write a couple of things down in your notes. Here's what happens to your life without rest. Without rest, one, my resistance is lowered. When you are living your life going in fifth gear, you'll be more prone to the sins and the temptations of your life. You're more prone to things like the overuse of alcohol, um, pornography, adultery, relationships you don't need to be engaged in, overspending, overindulging, all those things. You will find that your resistance is lowered when you are not rested. Also, when you, without rest, your emotions are inconsistent. How many of you, when you are tired, you begin to be like a, a cry about everything kind of person? Anybody like that? Where like, it doesn't matter what it is. You're like, oh, we ran out of milk. Here's my gosh. How could you drink the last of them? Like, I mean, like, it's weird to get emotional about that. But if you're tired, you Or how many of you are like, you're not that, but when you get tired, you're just angry? Okay, some people raised their own hands. Some people raised other people's hands. It was weird. Because our emotions are inconsistent. Also, our productivity suffers. You are not... Some people go, man, if I could work 80, 90 hours a week, I'll be more productive. But every statistic, both inside and outside the church, will say that you actually are less productive without rest. And not only that, you're not, <laughs> your life begins to actually lose its meaning, which means that what you are accomplishing aren't the things that you want to be accomplishing, that you're missing out on the grand purposes that God has for you. 
And that leads to the most important thing that happens when we, we, we without rest, and that is our relationship with God seems distant. How many of you have ever gotten so busy, and then you go to a place where like, I, I can't remember the last time I worshiped, went to church, read my Bible, anything, and you feel like God is a long way away. That happens without rest. The beauty of the gospel, though, is that you do not have to live your life in fifth gear trying to earn the love of Jesus. And Jesus is going to model something important for us about rest. I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jesus had more to do on earth than you and I do. Way more. I mean, he was a carpenter, so he had a business. He was dealing with his family. That was the thing. On top of that, he had that whole save the world for all time from their sins thing going on. And yet he took time to rest and be with the Father. It's a great example for us that we desperately need to see. And here's what I believe about our rest, and that is when God is present in our rest, he'll be more present in our work. I think a lot of people are missing out on the presence of God in their work because they don't have any connection in, to God in their rest. It's important that we have it. In Mark 2, 27, Jesus actually tells us the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It is not God who needs the Sabbath. He's not lacking rest or connection with himself. We need it. And why do we need it? It's for some pretty obvious reasons, to be honest with you. Living life on mission, ministry, it's hard. We're in a battleground. We're in a broken world trying to push back darkness. It's going to be hard. And we're going to need rest in the process. But here's the problem with many of us, is we think about rest as simply stopping the movement. If your car was out of gas... Would you logically think that you could just pull it into a parking lot, shut it down for 10 to 15 minutes, start it back up, and you're full? No, it doesn't work that way. Because you don't just need rest, you actually need the recharge. You need the fuel. You actually, it's not just about stopping, it's about putting something in it that can further you along the way. That's why Sunday is so valuable to us is that we pull our spiritual life and cars into this place, and we don't just sit here, we are filled with something. And the more we are filled, the further we can go on that mission. See, for a lot of people, we have to remember to plug in and to power up. What I mean by that is this. How many of you with your cell phone ever do this? If, you, if your cell phone's about to die, you can charge it one of two ways. You can plug it in, and this is a hard way. and you can leave it alone. It will charge pretty quick that way. But can I show you how most of us charge our phone? We keep it plugged in and we're just on it, 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 on it. How long does it take to charge? Yeah, there's actually a technical term, it's called a trickle charge. It means that you are barely getting any juice because you are draining it at the same time that you are filling it. And the reason that I tell you that is this. There are too many Christians in our world trying to live life with God on a trickle charge. That we never stop and rest in Him. And you end up in a place of burnout. Can I tell you one of the key ways you can identify that you're burnt out? Normal rest won't refill you. Here's what I mean. You ever, you, ever, you ever go and go and go and you think, well, the answer to this, if I could just get two or three good nights sleep, and then you get two or three good nights sleep, and you wake up, and you know what you still are? Exhausted. Because burnout is reaching a point where there is a deeply spiritual problem. 
And it is going to require a deeply spiritual solution. You don't need just to shut your eyes. You need rest, recharge from God to get back to where you need to go. God designed us that way. Now, our culture will tell you that the solution to burnout is balance. That's what our culture wants to talk about all the time, balance. You got to find your work-life balance. You got to find your work-family balance. And if you can find the balance, everything will be good. I just want to submit to you the fourth commandment has nothing to do with balance. If the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath, was about balance, then God would have made an eight-day work week. We'd have four on and four off. That's balance. But instead, we have a seven-day week, and we get one rest. That is not balance. It's something else. See, there's a problem with balance. Let me show you what it looks like. Let me borrow somebody. Kevin, would you mind coming up here for just a second? I'm going to borrow you, and then Caitlin, would you help me out with something real quick? Just come up here more quickly than that. Thank you. All right. Kevin, if you stand over here. Caitlin, if you would uh, grab uh, all the rest of this stuff right here. Uh, those three things and have them over here for me. Kevin, come right down here. I want you to, to we're going to do something together. I want you to hold your hands, palms out for a minute. There you go. So first of all, we have, we have our bills that need to get paid. Now, he's very excited. I want you to know these are fake. There's no way I'm giving Kevin uh, this money. So, um, but we got to pay bills. We got to earn money. We got to do all this stuff. So we got to hold all that and we got to keep all that going on in our life. At the same time, um, we like to, you know, entertainment, whether it's movies or TV shows for you, or maybe you like to go camping where you call it camping, but you drag a house behind you um, and, uh, and you go do that. Um, at the same time, you don't just stop there. Um, there's a couple other things that happen in your life. As you go through life and you're trying to keep that in balance, um, your life takes some shots. There's things you do wrong, mistakes you make, or that we have a broken world, and sometimes it, it cuts your leg out from under you. And so could you just get on one leg for me there, Kev? That'd be good. All right, so just, no, no, one leg. There you go. Step like that. And then when we're in, no, no, one, can you pick one? Uh, so all right, here you go. All right. <laughs> So while we're in the middle of that, then, then, then we go, okay, now we got, now we got kids. Uh, and so you got, you had, you had uh, <laughs> three, three points of contact. All right, so, uh, so, um, so you got the kids. And on, on top of that, you really got this job, and this job's going to take a lot out of you. It's this, it's the, no, stay up there. It's this, it's this kind of thing that you have to balance all the time. So if you would, just tuck the kid in, and if you would, just keep that up right there for me. All right, there we go. No, no, like, hold on. Uh, well, there, there went the entertainment. Oh, by the way, Kevin, while you're doing that, keep your faith afloat. Uh, no, you keep it. Uh, it's not my faith. It's yours. You got to do something. All right, come on. Help me out, Kev. Get it. Uh, can you? No, you're not balancing this. You got Oh, Kevin. Oh. That is not what she meant when she said, let it go. That is not. That is not. That is not okay, man. Okay. Now, here's the deal. How are you doing? Can you stay there for the rest of the service? Okay, good. All right, here we go. You guys do me a favor, give Kevin a, a quick hand, tell him thank you. Here's what I want you to see. I don't want you to miss this, church. See, balance is about keeping everything perfect. And if you can keep it perfect, once you finally get it to perfect, you know what you do? You hope nobody adds anything. How often does that happen? You hope nobody takes anything away. And you really pray you never get bumped. Because if you do, it's all going to come crashing down. If you can hold it for any length of time, it's impressive. But it's not life-giving. It's draining. It's exhausting. And it's fragile. It's not healthy. It'll work you to death. There is a way, though, to be busy and healthy. But it's not balance. It's rhythm. Matt, where are you at? Uh, there we go. Matt's going to jump up here and give us an illustration of what this looks like. So we want rhythm. Rhythm means there are things that you're coming back to over and over again. 
For example, our faith, we could be represented by our kick drum right here, and we're just going to keep it in rhythm. So go ahead. So no matter what happens, no matter what I add, I'm always coming back to this. Go to church, go to connect group, get in my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship. I'm going to find times for that throughout my week, and I'm coming back to that. Now, if you go back to that over and over again, there's a lot of things you can add, but it's different than balance. It's rhythm. For example, you got your family life. Let's get a little, little snare or hi-hat. Pick one. You go for it. There we go. We'll go both of them. You got work. You got family. But you're coming back here. Balance. Over and over and over. Every once in a while, in the middle of all this, you have crazy seasons. Thank you, Matt. Things go all kinds of nuts. You, got stuff, you are volunteered for kids' games next week. And you got all that going on. You got vacation to plan for. You got bills to pay. But you're always coming back right here. Just go right here for me. And all of the things you can add can still work and be healthy if you never get rid of this rhythm. And that's why the Bible calls us to rhythm, not to balance. Thanks, Matt. Can y'all give him a big hand? Tell him thank you. So, like, rhythm is that we remember God, that, that he's the one that restores our strength. That when we remember the rhythm of God, we are always choosing what matters most. Which means that you learn to do certain things. Like, you no longer prioritize your schedule, you schedule your priorities. Because I want to make sure that the kick drum is always hitting in my life. And because I know mission takes time, and the Great Commission takes time, and I know that when I give Jesus time, he's going to put some really terrific things in that space. And that's why God said this to us. This is why Jesus spoke these words to us in John chapter 15. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, or out of rhythm, you can do nothing. He's challenging us to stay connected to him. And what I found interesting about this chapter, when I read and I'm preparing for a message, I always like to read what's around it. It's interesting that that's John 15. I want to read you now the first verse of John 14 and the last verse of John 16. John 14, 1 says, don't let your heart be troubled. And John 16, 33 says, in this world you will have much trouble. In between the chaos in between the trouble. And by the way, the word trouble here, he could have used a number of words, but he uses a very emotional word, a very painful word. It's the same word used at the death of Lazarus. It's the same word used at Judas's betrayal. It's as if Jesus is saying, in this world, you're going to have grief. You're going to have betrayal. You're going to have trouble. But if you will keep Jesus at the center, you can find a rhythm even in the chaos. But you need the habit to keep you in rhythm, and that's why Jesus commands us to the Sabbath. I'll end with this, is what we need to know the most as we think about this. And the first is, the best use of your life is love. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, your strength, and then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. One of the cool things about love is it's going to call us to dedicate some of our time to serving other people for the sake of our king. And by the way, you cannot call yourself a follower of our servant king without being willing to serve that king. So it's going to call us to love. But the second thing is the best expression of love is your time. In John chapter 17, verse 4, 
It says, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work God gave me to do. In other words, what he's saying is, I spent my time where the Father told me to spend my time. The greatest gift that we can give another person is our time. Your time is the most valuable thing that you have. Every second, every minute, every hour of your life can only be spent once and it will never get another chance at it. Every second, every minute, every hour of your life can only be spent once. So how you spend it matters. That's why I would tell you, for us as parents, it is great to give great gifts to our kids. It's great to do vacations and all. Those are all wonderful. But at the end of it, do you know what our kids, our families, those around us long for more than anything? Time. Because time communicates that love. And it leads me to the last thing, that whatever you need, the answer is a relationship. Jesus will sum up stress management in this passage. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Our stress goes down, our enjoyment comes up, and the only qualification you need to come to Jesus is to accept that he is the one you need. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and I will give uh, and, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, I want to make sure that in your life you are connected to the power. So that even when you bring nothing, you are still connected to someone that has all the power. Even when all you bring is weakness, you are connected to someone who has all the strength. Even when you have nothing, he has all the forgiveness. Even when you offer no hope, he brings hope. He is the one that balances us out and he is the one that carries us forward. That we have connection with someone with all the power. Because he, and he alone, is enough. And that leads me to the final thought for our message This is this, is that the solution for our life is not mass subtraction. It's not stop doing this, stop doing this, stop. I'm not saying that that's not a thing you shouldn't consider, but the actual solution is addition, that we have to add time to rest and reconnect. We have to add time to rest and connect with God. That the solution is a person. That's the heart of the Sabbath command, is to connect us to God. And I will tell you, church, he does not want your Sunday morning. He wants your every day. He wants your every single day that you come back to him and find rest for your soul. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray for anybody here that maybe they don't know what that rest feels like. God, that you would give them an opportunity to see that today. Maybe there's people here that do not know what it means to follow you at all. God, I pray they would come and talk to us. Maybe it's somebody going through a difficult season and they need reconnected to that power. God, I pray anybody with those questions or any other questions would come to the front and go to one of our prayer team members in this next song or even after the service that we'd love to pray with them and give them counsel. God, we just are grateful that we get this moment to come back and be reminded, God, that we are here today to remember who you are, to remember who we were created to be, and to remember the rest and strength that comes with finding our hope and our Sabbath in you. God, I pray that we would not be a people that are okay with breaking this command. But God, that we would regularly come back to the rhythm of finding our strength and our hope in you. God, right now as we worship, I pray that it would overflow in us and we would worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.